Hi, I'm Sue. And I'm Rach. And this is the Georgette Hayer podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about Pharaoh's daughter. Hey Sue, how you doing? Hey Rach. Um, yeah, very well, thank you. I am pleasantly stuffed. I've just, um, as a bit of a change, we're recording this on a Sunday evening, which we don't usually, but it means I've just come back from my um, mum and dad's where I've had a Sunday dinner. Um, and it was very nice. Although, I would argue, not what was billed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Not, not, what, not what was on the menu, huh? <laughs> well, when I hear Sunday dinner, I picture my mum's traditional roast chicken, Yorkshire puddings, gravy, veg, sausages. You know, I think yeah. that's a fairly traditional Sunday dinner in the UK. Um, I arrived and it was lasagna. But mm. it did have roast potatoes. She got dough balls, which I blimmin' love, um, and wow. veg. And it Tri- was triple lovely. Triple carbing it, huh? <laughs> triple carbing it. I'd quadruple if I could. Um, it was it was really, really lovely. Uh, God, I've just realised my mum listens to this. Mum, it was really nice. I really appreciate it. Please don't stop cooking me Sunday yeah. dinners. But um, but yeah, I, I just I was expecting chicken and I got lasagna. I do like it. I, I can understand the dough balls. That, that oh, feels right. God, they were good. You know? Yeah. Um, but roast potatoes, you know, she's obviously... She obviously knows what she's dealing with, yeah. dealing with you, doesn't she? And my dad, yeah, they would have been uproar. But really, the dough balls—they're just butter transport, as far as I'm concerned. Get that butter into my mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's it for me. Sunday dinner. It—it <laughs> it was lovely. I'm gonna emphasise that again for my mom who's listening. It's lovely. I would have absolutely loved someone to have cooked me lasagna tonight. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like I'm going to really <laughs> pay for that comment later. <laughs> how was your How was your day? Um, it was fine. Yep. Um, it's getting colder, isn't it, Sue? It's getting colder. It's on the in, town in the UK. I think you know everyone knows the British people love to um, talk about the weather. Sure. And I think my new question. Oh. Don't re- didn't I don't think I think this is an age thing. Um, I ask everyone, have they put the heating on yet? <laughs> um, do you I, want... I don't want to be the first one to do it. Oh, okay. And I don't want to be the mug who's sitting there cold and the last one to do it. Um, and heating does bother me because um, it makes me makes my skin dry. And so oh, yeah, it's yeah. a big dilemma for me. My partner wants to have the heating on uh-huh. properly now. Um, and I will only allow it. I've had it on for like half an hour. And that's that's upset me. You are so Spartan. Yeah. So I've got a very well um, insulated house because mm-hmm. it's fairly new. So such a brag. Yeah. Have you put the heating on yet? So <laughs> <laughs> um, we have. It actually went on a schedule today um, without my consultation, which I'm not sure how I feel about that. But um, I got a message. I was in the office, and um, my husband messaged me just saying can you come home and ask to put on the heating so I can say no and you can put it on anyway? Because he likes the heating on, but he doesn't want to be the one that breaks. No. But this year he did. No. Um, I really am surprised at your husband there. I would not have um, seen him as a, uh, a heater putter-onerer. When you say um, surprised, do you mean disappointed, don't you? I'm going to tell him I'm that. I'm going to tell him yeah. that you're disappointed in him. I wouldn't have thought we were him. Um, so yes, in answer to your question, I have done absolutely nothing of interest. <laughs> Just been going around <laughs> calling people and asking them if they put on the heating. And then judging them for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Shall we move anyway, on? To... <laughs> let's Yeah, let's talk about Pharaoh's daughter now. I have a I have a summary. Oh good, you do that. Cool, okay. Deborah Grantham's family have fallen on hard times and are just clinging on to the gaming house where Deb presides over the tables charming the visiting gamesters. She's caught between two very different men, young Adrian Mablethorpe, who adores her and wishes to marry her, and Lord Omskirk, who wishes to coerce her into becoming his mistress. But then there's high-handed Max Ravenscar, who's determined to keep his cousin Adrian from marrying her, and having crossed swords with Deb, will go to any lengths to best her. Did you like this book, Say <laughs> No. <laughs> I feel, I feel oh, really? no I really didn't enjoy it um no I'm with you I'm with okay you. Phew. do we just end the podcast now 
No, it's good. It's good not having a good one we don't like, isn't it? But not, yeah. we don't, I didn't. I didn't really dislike it. Sure, still better than most other books out there. Just yeah, yeah. And I definitely enjoyed parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I struggled to have any mm. warm feelings towards Max Ravencar. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I go with Raven Scar. You going with Raven's oh. car, like a car that belongs to a raven. Raven. I picture in a raven driving it? a car. Raven scar. Raven scar. It's a bit sexier. Raven scar. All right. Um, <laughs> Let me do it. Do it whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I didn't see in him any any redeeming features. No. I, I don't, I, I don't dislike Deborah. No. Hold on. I wouldn't say no redeeming features. Should we just? Start, we'll start off by chatting a little bit about about Max. Yeah. Um. In terms of his redeeming features, I would say he's very good with Adrian and Arabella. He's good with the young people. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... I th- oh, he does disapprove of Lord Omskirk's um, ploy to get Deb to become his mistress. Which I think is something we should talk about a bit more later on because that's an interesting conversation that those two have. But yeah, other than yeah. that, I didn't like him at all until about 100... I think it was page 176. Um, and that is was... that when the sister comes in? No, it was the point that he's in the cellar and he refuses to let Deb's brother mm. release him. Because I think that's the point. Yeah. You, you feel like, okay, he understands. He's up against an equal and he's not going to take this way out. He's going to get out in his own way. It, yeah, it kind of it, yeah respecting her as an opponent i kind of had yeah i just warmed him a little bit at that point yeah i don't know i just um should we get should we just look at should we start at the beginning have a little um description of him oh yeah okay he was very tall with a good pair of legs ensconced in buckskins and top boots fine broad shoulders under a coat of super fine cloth and a lean, harsh-featured countenance with an uncompromising mouth and extremely hard eyes. His hair, which was black and slightly curling, was cut into something perilously near to a bedroom crop. Lady Mablethorpe, who belonged to the older generation and herself continued to make free use of the bounce box in spite of Mr Pitt's innocuous tax on hair powder, could never look upon the new heads without a shudder. She shuddered now as her affronted gaze took in not only her nephew's abominable crop, but also the careless set of his coat, his top boots, the single spur he wore, and the neglected way he had of tying his cravat, and thrust his end through a gold-edged buttonhole. So yeah, quite a good description there. He's a bit of a... He doesn't really care what anyone thinks of him, does he? No, no. I think he does sound attractive. So that's, let's chalk that up in the positives column as well. He's he's an attractive yeah. guy. Nice legs, broad shoulders, good haircut. Yeah, but I think there are some heroes who um, don't care about the way they look because they haven't they haven't got the, the, there's no vanity to them. Mm. Um, but it, I don't know. His is just he, I can't think of him as anything but arrogant. Yeah, I think he wears his carelessness with pride. It's, it's yeah. part of the the identity, the the, the image and, he creates for himself. And also, he doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to try very hard because he's rich and he's a man. And so that allows him to, you know, that allows him to go anywhere he wants and, yep. and do anything he wants and be as rude to anybody as he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I think you have that with a few hero, um, hey heroes at the, be- at the beginning of the book, but I don't see any, um, any, journey any mm-hmm. um transformation yeah. in him throughout the book yeah okay go, go, go along with that yeah um I, no i don't think we're the only ones that dislike him because his own aunt says on early on you are hard and unfeeling max and excessively selfish and then some other um criticisms leveled at him are in regard to his cold reserve his habit of pleasing himself upon all occasions abominably tight-fisted a proud disagreeable man and he's rude and cold-hearted. Mm. So, <laughs> okay. But yeah, lots of people like yeah. him. I know lots of, you know, Haya fans are big Max fans. I just, uh, mm. I don't warm to him myself. I don't, I think what's no. quite critical to me, he has that conversation with Omskirk at the beginning yeah. where Omskirk is saying that he holds bills and the mortgage. 
um, yeah. that he's hoping to use to let's kindly phrase that as influence Deborah into having a relationship with him, a sexual relationship. Um, and Max, he he doesn't approve of this. I think because Omskirk wants Max to put pressure on her so Omskirk doesn't have to. He wants Deborah to go willingly to him out of gratitude rather than fear or yeah. I don't know the, the feel that she need a feeling that she needs to but he's willing to make he's willing to allow Max to do the 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 applying of pressure. Um and I just mm. Max is um critical of that um and he thinks it's what is it? How does he call you it? See, I'm not sure that I got that. That he was, that he was critical. critical. Well, he did say, because I that that conversation for me made him dislike him even more because yeah. he's clear on Omskirk's no no okay. uh, motivations. Um. So, Omskirk says of why he wants Max to apply the pressure rather than do it himself. Consider, if you please, for an instant. You will appreciate, I'm sure the vast difference that lies between the surrender from, shall we say, gratitude, and the surrender to, we should be obliged to say, force majeure. In either event, you stand in the position of a scoundrel, retorted Mr. Ravenscar. I prefer the more direct approach. So yeah, he does He does recognise that Oscar yeah. being a scoundrel. But he's perfectly happy for anything to happen to... Oh yeah, that's the thing, he doesn't... Uh, yeah. He doesn't have this kind of instant... Um, sense that he should protect this this woman from from Omskirk. I appreciate he hasn't met her at this. Oh no, he has met her at this point. But am I being unrealistic in thinking he should try to help her in this predicament, even if he doesn't know her or owe her anything? Well, well, yeah. he's, a, he's I mean, a hero, so I want him to be heroic, and that means protecting yeah, yeah. people from Lord Omskirk. Yeah, I think that's right, and I, I think because it fits. You know, so he might not, not, um, would not act in the same way. So I'm, I'm sure he would not act in the same way as Oscar. No. I think that's what he's saying there. He, he prefers yeah. more direct, um, direct approach. He would never hold somebody, uh, have, you know, um, debt over somebody like that. Mm. But he, because it's sort of, yeah, because they've got a mutual interest mm. in uh, detaching um, Deborah from young Adrian. Yeah, Adrian. Um, He's willing to sort of, sort of make a pact, although it's not really, is it? No. No. Um, so that's, for me, that's the kind of mark against a character that you don't really get past. Um, yeah. He makes some some slight, uh, he makes a bit of a comeback for me when, um, when he's escaped from the cellar. I just think he's very, very cool in the way... Yeah. He strolls back into the the gaming house, like Silas Wantage, the kind of doorman bruiser type. You know, has kidnapped him, thrown him in the cellar. As far as Silas knows, he's still in the cellar, but you know, Max has actually escaped uh, through yeah. burning himself. Uh, and and he just strolls in past Silas, cool as a cool as a cucumber. I, I liked that scene. I I was you know picturing yeah. it as a very it's a very visual scene that you kind of want to see on on tv or whatever um and yeah i just that was cool i i was impressed by yeah. that bit i in fact i i that, that's what i'm saying that i i i don't i don't like him as a character but there are bits of this book that are that are brilliant and yeah. the and that scene there's a couple of scenes in the cellar that are that are great between him mm. and deborah and mm. um where yeah we'll get to that in a bit in, in a bit but yeah, and I think you're right about his. I do like his dealings with his sister, his half sister, mm. because he doesn't actually try to control her particularly, does he? he no. Although he's got, he's clearly got quite a controlling disposition. Yeah, he he doesn't actually try and control her. He doesn't actually stop her mm. going to masquerades and. Well, I think he knows what's effective. Yes, yeah, but it, but it's quite nice that he doesn't feel the need to um, protect, you know, uh, yeah, protect her in that way or hold her back mm. in in that mm. way. You know, she's she's allowed, you know, he he has doesn't really have a problem with her going to masquerades. He just gives her advice, which make 
let her make her own mind up and I think that does show sort of respect for women which yeah you might not have thought of him I'd agree with that and then he's also really good at PK yeah I mean I don't, I don't know if you're the kind of woman that's really into that maybe that maybe that's why you like Max but for what me is I was, PK I'm picturing something with like little pegs and a lot of cards <laughs> it's a card game right I don't know. It's a card game. I wonder if it's it's got a modern day because lots of the card games were called things differently, weren't they? And then mm. anyway, I I just know that it doesn't make it doesn't make for fascinating reading. I can't imagine it would make for no. a thrilling scene on, in like a film or movie or radio play. It's just uh, yeah, but well yeah. done him. And he and of course he's a a fantastic driver. Um, he wins mm. the race, doesn't he? Mm. Um, yeah and i think that that kind of some of his more heroic things are sort of shown off off stage as as it were you know yeah that that amazing horse race you you hear about it from adrian but yeah. you don't you don't see it yeah i mean he i think probably the most physically impressive thing you actually see him do well not okay that you know him to do is burn the the rope from his from his wrist yeah no and i, I um i do like that i I, and I do like the setup that neither of them, they're both strong characters and neither mm. of them will back down. And mm-hmm. that's how they, you know, they get themselves into these pickles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, I, I, and, I, I, and I do like the sort of chemistry between them. I'm not entirely oh, yeah. convinced by the love story, but I do, I do mm. like that. I can, I can, yeah, I think it's a convincing chemistry. Well, let's go on before we, we tackle yeah. the chemistry. Deb. Deb. Deb, Deb. Um, so obviously we know that she's a Cyprian, a Strumpet, a Doxy, a Jade and a Harpy. A Jezebel mm-hmm. with the manners of a Trollop. Um, well, all of that is according to Max Ravenscar. But other than that, beautiful and charming. And pretty good at cards, yeah. but not as good as Max. So her description, let's have a look yeah. at that. Yeah. A tall young woman with chestnut hair glowing in the candlelight and a pair of laughing dark eyes set under slim arched brows. Her luxuriant hair was quite simply dressed, without powder, being piled up on top of her head and allowed to fall in thick, smooth curls. One of these had slipped forward as she bent over the table and lay against her white breast. She looked up as Mr Crewe approached her, and Mr Ravenscar, dispassionately surveying her, had no difficulty at all in understanding why his lung relative had so lamentably lost his head. The lady's eyes were the most expressive and brilliant he had ever seen, their effect upon an impressionable youth would, he thought, be most destructive. As a connoisseur of female charms, he could not but approve of the picture Miss Grantham presented. She was built on queenly lines, carried her head well, and possessed a pretty wrist and a neatly turned ankle. How's he seen her ankle? She looked to have a good deal of humour, and her voice when she spoke was low-pitched and pleasing. Sorry, yeah, let's go back to that. Has she got like her foot up on the gaming table? What's going on here? Well, I never know. I don't really understand what a well-turned ankle is. The opposite of my cankle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think I've got a well-turned ankle um, either. Well, but What was the length um, of I, Georgian I guess, dresses? I guess skirt, yeah. I'm assuming that dresses didn't quite reach yeah. the floor. Mm. Um, and so you could just about see... Um, yeah, see an ankle. Just about to see, just just see that it was an, uh, you know, a nice. I, I, you definitely wouldn't be able to see the calf, would you? Oh. But, um, just just a glimpse of an ankle. I'm assuming you get. Mm, mm. So anyway, a looker, and um... yeah, she looks lovely, and she is, you know, a star attraction of yeah. the. Yeah, I I like ones. the fact that she's a worker. You know, she's um she's putting yeah. the hours in. She's trying to keep the family afloat. And I think she is, you know, she doesn't particularly love her life. She, she's not no. in, she's not actually that, she's not into gambling. She's no, not she says she finds it boring. I don't, I don't think that she would, yeah, she wouldn't have chosen that life, but she's accepting mm. of her, her life. Um, And she is very you know, kind to her aunt. And Is she? Okay. Um, I'm not entirely convinced on that. Oh. Okay. Her poor aunt. Her aunt is just trying to keep her head above water and you know hold on to the house and deb's does not help um in fact really just stresses her out quite a lot i think um 
because the aunt's obviously worrying about the the price the price of green peas which oh, but, but, uh, you, you know what though? Seventy pounds. How many, many peas? <laughs> I mean, that could buy you a lot today. I'm guessing it? it would buy you an awful lot of mm. peas. That's what I'm thinking. Like, how, however, I expect it's one of those things that is far more relatively expensive then mm-hmm. than it is now because it was much harder to get peas. Yeah. Whereas now you can freeze peas and uh, yeah. That's my only explanation for how much okay. they're spending on peas. It does seem. <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. it. Sounds like you spend a lot of time thinking about it. Great. Um, <laughs> so... I did. I did. I don't know how. How could they possibly spend that much on peas <laughs> and candles as well? Mm-mm. Never think about this. It costs so much in candles. Yeah. But yes, when when they are having that conversation about how much things cost, she's a bit like, oh, we just put those bills away, isn't she? She's not yeah. actually that responsible. Well, here's a here's a bit where she said where yeah. uh, Deb says, uh, "I make a friend of that man," exclaimed Miss Grantham, flushing hotly. "I will starve rather." Very well, my love. I'm I'm sure I do not wish to interfere with you, but I don't want to starve," said her ladyship indignantly. "I won't let you, ma'am. If we're to be faced with that, I would, I would make a bargain with Ormskirk." I would do anything rather than be beholden to Ravenscar. Well, if you do anything, you'd better send that Laxton child home and make sure of Mablethorpe. Um, oh, poor Adrian, no, said Miss Grantham quickly. Lady Bellingham sank into a chair and closed her eyes. Go away, she begged faintly. I shall have the vapours in a minute. Miss Grantham laughed. Oh, there are a dozen things we might do to be saved. Lucius was talking of going to Hanover the other day and trying his fortune there. What do you say to our closing this house and running off with him? Now I am going to have the vapours, said Lady Bellingham with conviction. So yeah, there are a few times where, yeah, like, as, as you said, Rach, there are a few times where the aunt is trying to impress on on Deb just how bad their financial situation is. And I'm not saying that marrying Adrian is the morally right thing to do, but yeah, and she I, doesn't I, have a plan. She doesn't have a better plan. No, she doesn't have a plan. Um, I just think in those moments, she's 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 just a very spirited person. She's so angry, she can't see past that, the rage that she feels. Because she's so angry with Ooh, him yeah. that he thinks that of her, isn't she? Yeah. It, yeah. She's got temper. Yeah, I love this bit. Um, just showing how angry she is. And I and and you know when when you feel angry, um, mm-hmm. You just say anything, don't you? You know, there's more. You just you just rant because you you feel so angry about the situation, and yeah, um, and that's how I, I think this is really well portrayed here. <clears throat> Miss um, Grantham untied her bonnet strings with a savage jerk and cast her bonnet on the chair. He is the vilest, rudest, stupidest, horridest man alive. Oh, but I will serve him out for this. I will make him sorry he ever dared. I'll have no mercy on them. I he shall grovel to me. Oh, I'm in such a rage. Um, I do like that little speech. It's like, oh, it's just so. And then that's where you know it was the first time that he um, he offered her the money to give mm. Adrian up, mm-hmm. and um, she was not expecting it at all. She couldn't, you know, she couldn't fathom how yeah. he could think that. And she her. was already attracted um, to him at that point as well, which I think made it a bit more painful. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think they both just to move on to the love story a mm. bit um they're they're both um initially physically attracted to yes. each other i think yeah. um and it's just that their dislike for, for each other mm. because of the situation mm. just makes them um yeah force all those kind of feelings out and just yeah be, be very very angry with each other well, I think I think it has to be a really powerful physical attraction between them because in terms of time spent conversing with each other, they've got that mm. game of piquet, piquet. They go for a ride. She bandages his wounds. That's about it. Yeah. So well, that's it. I just I'm not entirely convinced about their no uh, about that love story, and I think that um, I can I absolutely buy the physical attraction. Yep. Um, but I've not. I'm not convinced that they, yeah, that they are a great love match. No. Um, and I think, I think we're supposed to feel like the turning point is when he, when she kidnaps him, <laughs> which is rather extreme. 
where to go. And she was very um, laissez-faire about the kidnapping details. I like, really like that bit. <laughs> we'll go through it later. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think we're missing that the turning point is that when, and then he starts to realise that she um, isn't the woman that he thinks yeah. he, th- he thought she was. And she starts to appreciate, you know, that he will go to any length. I think he she starts to appreciate him a bit because of the the fact that he you know burnt himself as mm. his things to get free and um, he didn't let her brother free him um yeah I, yeah I, I think that's meant to be the turning point it's just not entirely convincing no I agree with that um I actually um on Twitter today funnily enough um the lovely Janet Webb tagged us and the other podcast on Georgia Heyer, Heyer Today, which if you haven't listened, you really should listen. Um, it's excellent and whew, approximately 20 times more educational than us. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah, you should definitely do it. Is it? If, you're, if you're a podcast fan and a Heyer fan, um, definitely give that a go as well. Yeah, there is room for two Georgia Heyer podcasts in your life. <laughs> um, no more, just two. Um, so mm-hmm. us and Heyer Today, please. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so Janet Webb tagged us um, in a tweet for an article about Fairy's Daughter written by Elizabeth Hawksley. Mm. And in that, she proposes that Fairy's Daughter is possibly Heyer's book, which is the most intensely emotional. Um, because, and, you know, that's kind of in, in large part down to that physical attraction between them. My emotions were left unengaged. I think by this it wasn't like Venetia for me where I I was really invested yeah um but I I agree with the point that the kind of the physical attraction is what's ruling the storyline there um and she suggests that Max is emotionally inexperienced and immature like he hasn't been in love before and he doesn't really know how to handle this sudden strength of emotion um again I'm not sure that comes across as inexperienced or immature to me more arrogant and annoying um yeah but one other thing to, to, that yeah. she pointed out is that this is written in 1941 around the beginning of the blitz um so we just have to picture georgia Hare writing this in an incredibly tense time in in history yeah. so i don't know if that that comes through on the page perhaps that yeah. you know that kind of aggression and and also we should say there's some people that love that love this book mm. and and it's just it, it i think just dip you know she, she did write i think people there's this like maybe a perception from people who don't um who don't know her very well and not huge fans yeah that it's all regency romance and it's all um quite similar mm. but actually there are there is a lot of differences in these books and there's mm-hmm. some with adventure there's some with the pure love stories and i think we just like you know all of us like different things it'd be boring if we didn't yeah. um we all like the same ones um, it's th- this one just—it just does not for us, is it? So, no, no. Yeah. But having said all that, having said all that, yeah. Um, that as we said before, there are some great scenes in yes. this book. Yeah. And I I do particularly like the one where she she's kidnapped him, mm. um, and is basically trying to convince him that it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, I am very sorry, and I quite see you might be excessively angry with me. The truth is that I told Lucius Kennett and Silas to kidnap you for me, but I thought they could do it without using any horrible stratagems. That was fair enough. There could be no possible objection, but how could I kidnap you myself? Mr. Ravenscarf was sitting in a position of considerable dis- discomfort, with cords cutting into his wrists and ankles, and his head was aching as well, but his lips twitched at this. And he burst out laughing. Oh, no objection at all, Miss Grantham. Well, I think it's perfectly fair, argued Miss Grantham reasonably. I am very sorry you have been tricked. But what is to be done? I cannot help that now. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, what's done is done. Yeah, and also, you know, it, all is fair in love and war. And, <laughs> um, and it, you know, he can't possibly you know, object to being kidnapped because it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do in this circumstance what else was she gonna do yeah Yeah. um but yeah i think there are a couple of bits where i think she's a little careless one there where she just let lucius get on with concocting some sort of plan and presumably she knows him well enough to know what he thinks is acceptable might not align with what she thinks is acceptable 
And then also just the fact that she decided to let Adrian think that she um, was was willing to to consider having a relationship. Yeah. Um, and I, I know she kind of justified it to herself by by saying that you know he's young, he's recover, he'll recover, he'll bounce back. Um, but it still felt a little bit heartless to me. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, I think. I, I so the, yeah. I guess the only thing is that it might it might have been the only. Yeah, the only way to get him to see who she mm. really is. Mm. Um, get, sorry, get him to see sense and that it, she wasn't really for him. But um, yeah, it, is, it was it was a bit cruel. But that worked okay in the end. They did. And there was some, there's some nice passages in there where, where um, they talk about how uh, Adrian just sort of coming into his, his manhood was kind yeah. of finding it difficult to be sort of bossed around by like an older sister type that she'd sort of become and, and in comparison phoebe laxton being just all oh adrian tell me what to do it was you know really refreshing um but oh god disappointing isn't it it is disappointing really isn't it but I, um i do quite like the fact that he, uh, he yeah he comes into his own a bit doesn't he when yeah because he's got this person relying on him um, yes yeah that, that is quite sweet yeah and he suddenly yeah, becomes however, a little bit more authoritative and confident but this there's still that bit at the end where I think, I think it's um, Max and and his aunt uh, talking about this sudden change in him, and they're, they're kind of laughing at him suddenly pretending to be like a proper grown yeah. up, which is adorable. They're like, oh, look at him pretending to be an adult. That's so sweet. Yeah, I think it was that he was um, he was going to go to see um, Phoebe's father and mm. tell him you mm. know, that, um, what he was going to do and. <laughs> And it was, yeah, it was quite sweet that he, uh, that he was now a, a, a voice of authority. Yeah, I think one other scene I both I both like and don't like um, is the one where they go to Vauxhall Gardens and Deb is doing her best to be horribly vulgar in front of Adrian's mum. Oh, that is a Max. brilliant scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, I don't like anything that makes me cringe. This made me cringe quite yeah. a lot. But I did still admire the, the the nerve it took for her to to go through with that. Like I think there's a there's a point where she makes a joke about like like she's going to go into um, Adrian's Adrian's mum's box, and uh, she she's you know obviously there's a door around the back. She's like, oh, it's, it's crazy that I have to go around the back. I could probably just jump over this wall. And you're thinking, oh, <laughs> that does not sound like the kind of thing a lady does. Um, but also, what I loved about that scene is that weirdly I saw on instagram god you can tell that i spend way too much time on social media um but i saw on instagram a picture of the ladies cloakroom at um Vauxhall pleasure gardens and i didn't realize that it was communal it's like a latrine bench blimey so if if deb's going to the toilet there at Vauxhall, she's in a line with a bunch of other ladies i mean you just right? wouldn't you just wouldn't drink would you <laughs> you just do everything to avoid having to use a public toilet. Well, presumably they didn't think it was a big deal. There must have been different toilets for, like... Oh, the posh and the commoners. class. Yeah. 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 It's like Glastonbury you where you can thought, buy, like, you? fancy tickets for the good toilets. I do always wonder, like, that. Also, it can't have been easy with all of the, their yeah. skirts... And things like they must have had somebody to help them. Their maid must have come in and helped them with mm. all those big skirts. And mm. um, I suppose maybe at this time they wouldn't be massive skirts, would they? But um, but still, it would have been difficult. I think they would have been pretty big now. George, Georgian, pretty big. Um, yeah. Anyway, I do want. Yeah, I wonder about that thing. How we don't ever hear about that in Georgia. How you do we? How they went to the toilet and did practical things like that? No, no. Did you ever read um, Longbourn, which is sort of like a version of Pride and Prejudice, but seen from the servant's perspective? No. And they talk about cleaning, cleaning all the sisters' mm. sort of menstrual rags. Oh. I apologise if anyone listening wasn't expecting to hear the phrase <laughs> menstrual rags. <laughs> is that an apology for me as well? Because I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> hey, it's a fact of life. It is, actually. We shouldn't be... Um... Yeah. embarrassed it's not disgusting apart from having to clean somebody else's menstrual well, yeah and now whenever i see some sort of like period costume drama oh, period <laughs> costume drama on tv i'm thinking oh, poor maid poor maid servants 
Anyway, where, where were we? I feel like we need to really take a turn from this. <laughs> Get back. <laughs> Get back on track. So, and then we have the bit where he obviously realises that he is in love with her. Mm. Um, and then thinks that she's eloped with Adrian. Yeah. And is very, very angry about this. Ooh. Well, because I think in Lord Ormskirk, yes, Lord Ormskirk kind of says, oh, you know, uh, they were both mm. seen. Very stirring. Yeah, doing lots of stirring. Um, and he's kind of very confident in, in at this point. He's like, no, actually, I know who she is now. That's not what's happened. Um, but then as time passes and he hasn't seen her or Adrian for a while, he's getting a little bit anxious. And it's like, and he just misses her and he wants to see her. Um, and then, yeah, he gets the wrong end of the stick and there is some serious name yeah. calling going on. In fact, let's have a look at that scene. Yeah. yeah. I thought I'd been mistaken in you. By God, the only mistake I made was in giving you credit for a little common honesty. He flung at her. You are a cheating baggage, ma'am. Do not put on that air of outraged innocence, I beg of you. A drab from the stews would have scorned to behave as you have. I came to take a look at you, knowing you for the jade you are. You have a beautiful face, I will grant, and you are false to the bottom of your heart, if heart you possess. Ooh. And I think yeah, he says various things false. about like um, standing her in the pillory, having her whipped at the yeah. cart's tail. It's quite quite violent imagery, a lot of the... um. Yeah, a lot of the. the... This, I, I, yeah, this bit is, as well. I've got another bit. See, mm. and I thought I had learned to love you, ma'am. He said, "You do not understand the meaning of that word." But when you have squandered Adrian's fortune, as I make no doubt you will do soon enough, you may reflect that had you played your cards more cleverly, you might have had my wealth to spend and my name to call your own. You stare. Is it possible that you did not guess it, ma'am? So clever as you are. Yet you failed to snare a richer prize than Adrian, a much richer prize than Scrantham. Now, is is that the first time where he actually says, yeah, totally clearly? Because not that will often happen in a Hayer book that, like, oh, he loves her, but it's usually in like a really sweet way. (laughs) And this one, you go, oh, he loves her, and he's absolutely tearing strips off her. This is unpleasant. Yeah, and I think. I don't, yeah, because it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? That you, you wouldn't have thought that. It's interesting that he does declare himself because you would mm. have thought he had too would have too much pride yeah. to do that. Yeah, maybe he has um, changed. Actually, maybe. that does make me like him a little bit more. Like mm. it, it, he's actually laying himself quite bare there, saying, you know, you you yeah. could have had me, you fooled me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe then he goes and smashes a vase. A nice vase. Yes. I thought he didn't like it. Oh, no, he didn't. Expensive. It was expensive. Yeah, expensive. Yeah. Um, But there, yeah, so then, you know, he has a bit of a think about it. He cools down. Well, he doesn't have to think about it. He realises his mistake. And he goes to apologise to Deb. And I imagine that's quite a stressful chirp, isn't it? You're thinking, right, okay, I was totally in the wrong. (laughs) I said some really awful things. And I'm going to have to try and get her background. Grovel. Um, and he says to her there is no excuse for me if I had not been crazy with jealousy I should never have said what I did to you I love you no doubt I should be flattered but as I can scarcely conceive of a worse fate than to be married to you this declaration fills me with repugnance he bit his lip forgive me I shall never forgive you as long as I live if you have now said what you came to say pray leave me I tell you I love you said Mr Ravenscar taking a step towards her if you dare to touch me again, I shall scream, announced Miss Grantham. I do not know whether you are asking to me to marry you or merely to become your mistress, but whichever it is, I am asking you to marry me, interrupted Ravenscar. I am obliged to you, said Miss Grantham, dropping him a curtsy, but even the thought of squandering such a fortune as yours fails to tempt me. I have met many men in my time whom I thought odious, but none, believe me, whom I hated as I hate you. I trust I make myself plain, sir. Yes, he replied in a deeply mortified tone perfectly plain ma'am i will relieve you of the annoyance of my presence but i beg of you to believe that now and always i am your very obedient servant to command which is a good apology actually um it is a good apology i feel she gives herself away a bit when she says 
I do not know whether you're asking me to marry you or merely to become your mistress. Mm. She wants a bit of clarification there because she's thinking, well, if it's marriage, actually, I might, I might forgive you. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm guessing there because it's interesting that she doesn't, um, she doesn't relent. She must have known that he was un, was under a yeah. false impression, mm. and. I don't know. It seems a little bit harsh not to give him any. I mean, he says some awful things to her. Yeah, he does say some horrible things to her, but not to give him any leeway for, you know, he's in love and he thinks that his cousin's married. You know, he's she's married his cousin. Mm. Um, I guess she's just cross that he he would think that of her. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't want to think it, and he didn't think it for a long time. So I don't know. Yeah, um, seems a bit, a bit unfair. So then it's only that um, uh, she fears that Lucius has run off with Arabella. Um, but Arabella, she's got a bit of savvy about her, especially because she's got some good advice from Max. Um, so she hasn't actually run off with, with Lucius. But Deb, not knowing that, rushes over to Max to, to warn him. Um, and that gives him an opportunity to, you know, do lots of, my darling, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, and there's some very rough kissing as well. Um, so, yeah, after yeah. that, he kissed her. And when she tried to speak, kissed her again, extremely roughly, which is very Serena and Rotherham in Bath Tangle. I don't know if you remember, though. That was, it was always a rough kiss with them. Yeah. yeah they're clearly going to be there's... very passionate and everything. Yeah. I just, I, I just can't imagine what they're going to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think they're not necessarily going to argue all the time because I think, you know, a lot of that was based on uh, Max really misunderstanding her character. But yeah, in terms of where's the common ground between them or... Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I guess they can play Pico together. Yeah, although she, we know she doesn't particularly enjoy it. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't, but she doesn't have that doing it as a job. That's different, isn't it? Maybe for fun. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. It's a struggle to see it, isn't it? Although I think there's a, a nice little bit at the end where she, she gives him a list of demands. She says, um, Miss Grantham listed her head to her cheek. I may ruin you, she warned him. You may try, retorted Mr. Ravenscar. I shall expect you to pay all Aunt Lizzie's debts. I mean to do so. And to remove her from that dreadful house. That also... And to be civil to my poor brother, I'll try to be. And of course, to let me set up a faro bank of my own, said Miss Grantham in a small, provocative voice. If I ever find you playing anything but commerce or silver loo, I'll make you sorry you were ever born, said Mr. Ravenscar, kissing her hand. Jade. Miss Grantham heaved a sigh of satisfaction and abandoned any further attempt to bring him to a sense of his own folly. So I like the fact that there's kind of like a little in joke with him now that he calls her names. Yeah really get the bit where i may ruin you because she's not is she is she particularly expensive like so i i, mm. I get that there's the debts and everything like that but he yeah. she knows that he is rich i she, yeah she's not going to ruin him but she does have expensive not, tastes no because i think there's that conversation no, with lucius kenner early on where he's, he says, I think, uh, you know, do you enjoy this life? And she's saying, no, I'd rather go and live in a on a farm in the country. And he's kind of teasing her, kind of yeah. saying, oh, yeah, really, with all your fancy dresses and all the rest of it. And, she, yeah, she I think she acknowledges that she, yeah, she does like the finer things in life. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, but she, okay, okay. But she must know that... Maybe in terms of reputation. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Maybe it means that. mm I think and, and and maybe and maybe it is the debts that they run up are you know incredible mm. as well yeah I don't know maybe she really likes green peas. <laughs> I do like peas actually. <laughs> okay, I had some today in my non-Sunday dinner. Uh, what I would say though is that in this book, um, I like the fact that it gives you a little glimpse into life on the periphery. So I think. You know, we deal with the fabulously yeah. wealthy people all the time, but just seeing the difference in how Deb is treated, both by women who don't feel like she's entirely respectable, and by men like Omskirk and um, is it Sir James Filey, who are unpleasant and creepy. 
and she's sort of exposed to to those men so much more than the prim and proper little misses yeah no you're right it is it is nicely refreshing actually because you actually so so, you, so some of our uh, our heroines and some of our heroes are periphery in terms of they they're you know for maybe the country and they're mm. um they're, they're they're genteel but they're always genteel yeah but um, not maybe not rich but mm-hmm. but but genteel but yeah but she is on you know, she's from london um mm. and and it's a different part of london it's a different side of london isn't it yeah um that you don't normally see our you see often see our heroes in but not our heroines yes so so yeah and so their marriage is not the unexceptionable match that adrian and phoebe's marriage is and i when i saw it was described adrian and phoebe's marriages are described as an unexceptionable match and that's a phrase that's used a lot in terms in regards to marriage isn't it and i i kind of stopped to think about it this time around and i was, I was thinking basically all that means is that no one can really object to this marriage it's fine and that that yeah. was the goal an unexceptionable match that no that no one objected to it and yeah, yeah that's probably not what deb and max have no no ex- except that it's more acceptable than um, her and Adrian, because mm. no one would think it of Max as an innocent. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and I guess he can clearly make his own choices, and he doesn't care what anyone thinks anyway. Should we do a quick sweep through the secondary characters? Well, yeah, because that, that was one of my things. I think that's one of the issues with yeah. this book is that there is no really likeable secondary characters. It, it, yeah, there, there are some that are okay. But yeah, so you look at the, the, the men that we have in in Pharaoh's Daughter and Adrian is probably the best of the bunch and he's just nice and young. Yeah. Um, but he's probably going to be a bit pompous because he's got Phoebe sort of looking up to him as if he was some sort of a god. god. You've got Omskirk, who's a flat-out villain. Yeah. Sir James Filey, mm. definite creepy, creepy creep. Like, even yeah. the other men who are probably a little bit creepy themselves were saying, uh, he's really creepy. Then you've got Kit, the brother, who's just really selfish. And he's, I think, um, he kind of says, oh, I'm sure Deb will marry whoever she needs to if she knows that I need the money. Yeah, Ooh. he's just he's just yeah, a yeah, yeah. character. And then there's Lucius as well, who I guess has a certain charm, if you like that kind of thing. I like his accent. <laughs> so presumably what's happening in your head. Yeah, my my, my accent from Lucius is great. Um, but, you know, he when he tries it on with Deb, it made me feel so uncomfortable because I was thinking, this is someone that she definitely sees as a friend, that she sort of turns to as a confidant to an extent. Um, but actually, you know, he he's, he's just another one of the men that's after her. Oh, and also, then he runs away with... With Arabella. He wasn't actually going to elope with her, though, was he? He was he was going to basically hold her ransom. He was going to do a Captain Wickham. Oh, and he was willing to ditch um, Lady Bellingham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not a nice man. <laughs> no, you definitely don't think that... I, I guess you get a glimpse that he's not honourable because when he hits Max over the, you know, the back of the head, so we get a glimpse mm. that actually he's you know he's willing to go to any lengths. Yeah. But I don't think at the beginning of the book you'd think that oh he was capable of doing you know running running off with a mm. young girl uh, anyway yeah i think there are a few hints dropped and then on the female side of things there were i mean i think on this side phoebe's the most disappointing just because she's a bit dull uh she just cries really nicely doesn't she very pretty crier um but then we've got max's sister who seems all right uh I, I have a bit of a soft spot for Lady Bellingham because I feel for her distress. Um, Arabella, I, I think Arabella would be a lovely hero, hero in another, or heroine in another book. Um, she falls in love all the time, but she kind of accepts that and she knows that about herself. She takes on Max's advice and she gets her own back on Lucius. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, she, she's quite a, she's a, she's a likeable character. She's not, not in it enough though, to be a proper... No, exactly. A proper secondary <laughs> character. There's one line in there that I like where um, it's something about like her, her handmaid was considering retiring because she was given so many bribes from uh, Arabella's suitors trying to get messages to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite the player. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, she, but yeah, but she's 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 only in two or three scenes, isn't she? So mm. you don't really get to know her. I, I, yeah, I don't think there's any particularly strong secondary characters in this. Um, yeah, I do like Lady Bellingham as well. She's um, she's she's a an, you have sympathy for her. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I would actually quite like to hear from some various daughters fans. What we're we missing? Tell us what we're missing. Yeah, I think yeah, I want to know from people why, what it is about Max they like because I really yeah. don't understand that. Some women like a bad boy. I, I really understand. Yeah, but there's bad boys <laughs> in a lot of these books. There's you know rakes, what? You know, Demerol was the ultimate bad bad boy, mm-hmm. but he there's redemption. He wasn't. He was a classics nerd. Um, but I think as well in this book, it's very difficult to tell if he's really a good guy or not because there's no dog. We don't know if dogs like him. Yeah. And there's, there's no dog and there's no loyal friend that mm. will tell you how loyal Max is and how he dug him out of the River Tick or whatever it is. No, couldn't be dug. Um, pulled him out <laughs> of the River Tick. Toad. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so there's no, you know, the, you, you don't you don't get from anybody else that he's a good one. Well, yeah, it's, um, it's Adrian Ar- Arabella. Maybe from Adrian best. a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's your best, best shot. Yeah. What we need to do now, Rachel, is well, what you need to do now is pick a book for next time. Yeah. yeah. Right. Another one that's mm-hmm. about pe- people on the periphery a civil contract. Oh, you know what? I thought you were going to go for that. Oh, how predictable of me. So in tune with you. No, no, it's a good thing. Um, okay, excellent. That'll be a good one. That's a bit different as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to talk about Mr. Chorley. Oh, my goodness. I need to start practicing my Mr. Chorley accent. I cannot wait. Um, Yeah, there's some great characters in that. So I think all that's left to say is thanks so much for listening. Please do rate and review our podcast. It really helps. Um, It helps other people find us, for one thing. And obviously we want to grow our little community. Um, And of course, go and listen to Heya today as well, because that's great. Um... Have a lovely time until we speak to you again. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.